Okay, so <clears throat> part two, mm-hmm. Betty Broderick. I don't even know what I want to title this, you know? I might just title it Betty Broderick. I might title it, I don't know, Betty Broderick. <laughs> part two. <laughs> no, we got to have a good name for, for this case. Normally I do. Like I, I mean, well, some of the stuff, like our historical cases that we did, I had, you know, um, that was cool. the lipstick that was killer, good. the Black Dahlia, but... Yeah, I may have to come up with something, you know? A little yeah. original there. Um, I'll try to think myself. Okay. Well, Stephen's right. always helpful. But, you know, this is our bonus episode. And uh, deep dive into Betty Broderick. So definitely want to listen to the, the first episode uh, to get the context and some background information. Because it is important for what we're about to dive in first. And um, it's some things, the way you do your research, I didn't know. The listeners won't know. Right. Yeah, I but, found out some things. Yeah, not just like the movie, not just my, you know, Dateline or whatever show it was on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As uh, much factual as you find, can find. Well, and it was driven by my need, like I said at the beginning, to discover was she a woman who was a great mother, great wife, worked really hard, sacrificed a lot for her husband to become not just a doctor, but also a lawyer. I think she did it first. Are you going to give me at least that? And the, Or was she a psychopath narcissist from the beginning, and she's actually just like all the other poop birds we've done cases on in season one and season two? So my name is Sherry... Oh. Sherry Wilson. This is Outline of a Murder. I got Mom with me. Hello. And uh, we've learned so far that Mom was a charm school graduate. Yep. yep. Well, I don't think I graduated. I think we just quit. Her skills involve walking with books on her head and drinking yep. tea. And did I tell you I also took tennis lessons? Oh, I took tennis lessons. Well, mm-hmm. not private. I mean, were you like one of those uppity kids that got to take tennis lessons? Yes. Wow. I, I had to do it in junior high. Oh, no. In PE. What, what we do didn't you, do it that way. What do you mean? Okay, so for, okay, if you could see, so it's like, oh, no, with this face and then a flip like, of the hand, not like that way. Like not. Wow. Don't be jealous. Anyway, back to our story. Oh, wait, where'd you go and play tennis, you said? In uh, junior high, Odessa, Texas. I was um, pretty darn good, but I had a coach that sucked. And uh, he had his favorites and everybody else he'd call names. And um, Oh. Yeah. I loved it until I, I had a coach that sucked. Well, too bad you didn't get a private one. That'd been much better, I think. Well, we were poor. So, unlike you, obviously. All right. Well, anyway. <laughs> okay. So we've got this, you know, story of a couple that's worked hard to get where they are. They Mm -hmm. finally have, you know, that level of success that they they wanted to get. Mm -hmm. And um, he's got his own practice. And so they're now schmoozing, you know, hobnobbing with people like you that had private tennis lessons. Not worrying. Yeah. 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 Things are good. She could stop doing her... You know, side jobs and putting him through school, it was over. I mean, how much more can you want? Right. You're a doctor and a lawyer. Right. I mean, he. I mean, how much more? Very successful at this point. He's had at least two or three cases that brought in quite a bit of money. 
Yep. So they're at a party in 1983. Now, it might have been earlier, but Dan and Betty are at this party. And Betty overheard Dan speaking about a new girl at the office named Linda who was, quote, beautiful. Mm -hmm. She was immediately suspicious because Dan didn't talk that way. Which, Not secretaries or legal department. Well, he no just one. didn't talk that way in general. Like, no. he didn't call her beautiful. No. And um, so this goes into what's going to be important, and that's their personalities. Are you working on something other than paying attention to me? No. Mm-mm. Well, Actually, no. I was why, why are you looking down? I was looking at my phone. We are doing a, a true crime podcast. That Stephen keeps texting me. I'm so sorry. Stephen uh, needs to stop. Going. Okay. Could you tell him to leave me alone? All right. Now. All right. Here is, again, this is going to be important. I'm a personality expert. That's what I do in my business and a lot of mentoring, right? Right. From what I can tell, Betty is what's called a DI personality, which means that she was going to be very lively, doubly intense, driven, aggressive, assertive, social. Also, because of her combination with the D and the I, especially the I, there would be a natural inherent need to be admired. And she would also be very direct. Okay. Now these are all of that. Yeah. And these aren't bad things. I mean, that's just how we're designed. Okay. And you know what? By all the specials, not movies, the specials, she was totally like that. Well, 100%. And you, you can tell a person that's a dominant I, so she was either ID or DI, because the the clothes she would wear were very bright colors. Uh, mm-hmm. Quite frankly, some of them were gaudy, you know, with the jewelry and all that, you know, the shoulder so pads. Huh? Back then, was gaudy in back then? I don't know, because I don't remember wearing ridiculous clothes like that well, in the 80s and she's 90s. She's a lot older than you, though. It's like, you know, you're on Dallas or something, you know, or Knott's Landing. Well, the life of it. Good grief. Anyway, so now for um, the D personality in particular, being significant is extremely important, especially with your peeps. So your people, you must be very important to them. He, on the other hand, I think was a polar opposite. I believe he was either a CD, which I'm kind of leaning toward that more, or a CS. Okay, if he was a CD, he was going to be doubly task-focused, driven, ambitious. He was going to have low empathy. He was going to so be... Far, mm-hmm. And so he was going to be direct at times and detached. So it's important, like for C personalities... They're very hard to read, and they're definitely, they can seem detached. Like, it's hard to get to know them or feel like you're bonding with them. Mm -hmm. Now, if he was a CS, then he would have had some warmth and people focus, but he would have been doubly introverted. I don't think he was that. The other one. I don't know, because some of... Can you have a combination of both? You can. He could have been like a CDS or a CSD. But the reason I wonder if maybe he had some S in him is he was good to his staff, but also he did warm up a lot with Linda, with his kids and stuff, which we'll get into. So He warmed up to the kids towards the end, I think. And Linda, 
with someone he admired and, you know, ended up having an affair. So, of course, he's going to be outgoing. Not necessarily. But I mean, if you're a said A lot of his, uh, like, gifts and stuff that he gave out, his secretaries did a lot of that. Well, if, for Betty, they did that. Right. But if he was a CD, he would have never warmed up. They don't warm up. No, they don't. Yeah, they're only with their family, maybe. But he could admire Linda and then later... Well, I'm not saying he didn't admire people. I'm just saying, I don't, I wonder if maybe he was a CS just because some of the warmth came out later. So right. I, I'm not sure. I'm going to go along the lines of probably a CD, but here's the deal. If he was a CS, they were polar opposites. So like, if you look at the, the um, scale that I have for people, the diagram, they were polar and it was a recipe for trouble. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now. Back to the beautiful comment. He's a CD. They don't say stuff like that. Okay. And Betty obviously is like, who's this beautiful lady? Right. Because now it's like a, an instant competition. If right. she was a DI or ID, there would have been instant competition. She would have wanted to know who this person was. She would have scouted her out because I'm and a. She would have done more work on herself. I'm a D. Even if she didn't need it. Yeah, I, I'm a D. If someone's like saying someone else is, you know, beautiful or something, I'd be like, excuse me. And I'd want to know who they were, you know. Okay, now she learned that Dan had hired a 21-year-old Dutch-American lady named Linda Kulkenna in the fall of 82. Okay. She's gorgeous, too. She was very pretty. So this is at a party in 83, possibly 82, um, I don't know if he's having an affair with her yet, mm-hmm. but she was a receptionist in his law firm. He eventually moved her up to be his legal assistant. Oh, that's what I was going to ask you. You mean he wasn't his, the secretary or assistant? Not at uh, first. No, she was a receptionist at first. Yeah, so oh. she was a receptionist. Did um, she have any law background? No law background, and she couldn't even type. Really? Mm-hmm. So why would he hire someone like that? Well, you Did know, know a receptionist doesn't necessarily need to type. But that was a... I would think they would, wouldn't they? No, because she wasn't a secretary. She was a receptionist and directed people oh, yeah. where phone. to go You're in right. the phone. So now the fact that she had no legal background and she couldn't even type did not escape Betty... And she's like, why are you putting her as a legal assistant when she doesn't even have the skills that are required? You know, again, Betty is not an idiot. She she no. definitely knows something's going on. I imagine Betty thought, too, being highly intelligent herself, that why would you take someone that's below me? I mean, below. She doesn't type. She didn't go to college. Blah, blah, blah. Yep. That's an interesting aspect, too, why he would find someone that wasn't his equal. Mm-hmm, to be his assistant. Yeah. Because, I mean, she was fine for a receptionist, but right. not having a skill level to be his legal assistant is interesting. I think he was sort of falling for her then. I do, too. Do you think by then? Yes. Because why would he do that? Yes. Yeah, so they were either, to me, they were either already getting close in an affair situation or he liked her and he wanted her in his office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. After more than her job. He, he, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So, so Betty obviously thought it was weird, and so did his secretary. 
you know, because yeah. he had his own secretary and she's like, what is going on here? And in one of the shows, the secretary asked him and he's uh, she's like, she doesn't even type. And he said, well, I don't need her to type. That's not what a legal assistant does. So um, <laughs> she confronted him in early October of 1983. He denied any affair. Betty demanded that he fire her and he refused. So at this point, I do believe that they were having an affair. Mm-hmm. I do too. And I think she knew it after he refused to fire her. Yep. She probably yep. had a feeling even before then. Mm-hmm. Now, this is where things get a little bit murky. I can't always separate fact from fiction, but I'm going to do the most I can. Okay, so Dan was most certainly having an affair with Linda that lasted for two years or for several years. It seems that during this time when Betty's suspicious and she's asked him and he's, you know, having this affair, that he's actually gaslighting her. So whenever she would bring it up or I know you're having an affair, you need to get rid of this lady, blah, blah, blah. He would tell her that she was crazy and she was acting crazy and you're thinking crazy and you're crazy to think that. Okay. Totally agree. On top of that, and this is awful. He went with her on a marriage retreat because she could tell something was wrong and she was trying to save her marriage. So um, they went to this Catholic marriage retreat, even though he didn't believe in God any longer, according to him. And yeah, and he didn't see any use in religion, but he agreed to go and she wanted to go to help their relationship. That's what it was designed for. Um, He told her everything she wanted to hear. And him and Linda were, had had an affair for a couple years. Yeah. But he still went. That's interesting. Well, she didn't know. She didn't know they were having an affair. No, but he did. Yeah. It's interesting that he decided to go to a marriage retreat. Yeah. wonder what that's about. Seriously. And not only that, um, but if you're the person I style that she is. Now, I'm not a DI. I'm a DC. But you, it's hard to trust. And you, the ones that you trust, you trust. Mm-hmm. And so if she's anything like how I think as a D, it would have been absolutely devastating. Oh, yeah. If she found out that while he sat there and told her everything, he was having an affair. It would I have been agree. awful. And for a few years. I just started. Yeah. And they say that second to losing a child, an affair causes that much emotional pain. They said it's just like a death. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they go to this retreat. It seems like things are going better. Um, also, during that time, one of their close friends, you know, because they hung out with all the legal friends and high fluting friends, um, she was going through a divorce. Her husband traded her in for an early or a younger model. And that really increased Betty's fear because she had a good instinct and she knew something was weird. And so she was really thinking, okay, there, you know, something's wrong. And she kept trying to deny it. All her friends were like, it's, you know, Dan, there's no way, blah, blah. But it's mixed feelings too. You're having an affair with someone clearly you care about. You won't fire, but then you go on a retreat and give hope to the, to the spouse, whether it be a man or a woman. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's terrible. It is terrible. I agree. Also, he bought a red Corvette. Mm. So, for her, for Betty, he's smack dab in the middle of a midlife crisis. Okay? Stephen needs to sell his car. Huh? Stephen needs to sell his car. 
<laughs> Are you talking about his Corvette that he just bought? It's bright orange. Anyway, let's move on. Okay, now I couldn't verify this, but I had heard it back in the day, and you might be able to verify this, that it seemed like Betty tried to fix whatever was wrong with her, air quotes, during mm-hmm. this time. So, um, like if, if Dan said she was old and fat, she got uh, some face work done and lost weight. She uh, dressed the way he wanted her to dress. Like she was trying to do whatever she could. Her hair. Mm-hmm. Didn't she have surgeries too? Yeah. On her breasts or I don't know about that or it, something. She had plastic surgery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the extreme. Remember the case? It's sort of like the one that the dentist. You know that the daughter and and that step stepmother went in circle circles when he's in the hotel with his girlfriend as they come out she ran him down do you remember that case it nope. was a dance that might be one you looked into but anyway it's similar to this okay because he would do the same to her i forgot her name i'll get with you on that but and she would work out hours and hours a day and had plastic surgeries changed her hair had a re- not a reduction of um what do you call it implants oh she did everything changed her hair her clothing sort of the same thing yeah mm-hmm. on her 36th birthday so this would be november 7th 1983 she tried to commit suicide again uh dan uh had missed her birthday for an undisclosed reason which i'm sure that wasn't the first time well, she- question was it a real attempt or one to scare him well that's what i'm wondering and i think it it might could be actually manipulation and to scare them, but I'm not sure because I don't know how deep she cut her wrist, but she cut both wrists and she took pills. And then two weeks later, it's Dan's birthday. And this is in 1985. Um, so it'd be two weeks and two years later, but his birthday is like on the 14th mm-hmm. and everything came out that, you know, what hit the fan. Right. Betty still didn't know for sure at this time if Dan was having an affair. Her friend suggested that she, you know, dress up and look real nice and then go to the office and surprise Dan uh, for his birthday and then go have a great time. So she showed up with flowers, which is kind of weird giving a man flowers. I mean, I don't know. People do that. That's just kind of weird. But she showed up with flowers, a gift, some champagne, wanted to take them out for the day only to find that Dan yeah. had left at lunch with Linda and never yep. returned. Yep. It sort of put the secretary in a bad spot. Because if I remember right, Betty sort of, you know, interrogated her. Well, and she also quit. The secretary quit. Um, well, according to one of the shows, she quit because she didn't like how Dan was treating, you know, Betty. Because the, the affair appeared to be very open and Linda would talk to everybody about it. And so it appeared that everybody knew what was going on. She's very young. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's in her she 20s. Old, you know? Yeah. Um, now, Betty, I think, waited until after dark. And then finally, she just went home. She burned all of his very expensive suits and other items on the lawn and confronted him with the fact that um, he was having an affair. And sure enough, he was now at the time. So remember this house and this is going to be important because the, all the houses and stuff get confusing. 
Okay, mm-hmm. so if we go to um Okay, so this right here was a coral reef house. Mm-hmm. And all of them were living there. I mean, I'm sorry, the the house they were living in. This is a coral reef house. They were living in this house because there were extensive um uh, renovations going on. Right. And um, that was in September of 1984. So they had moved into that rental house on La Jolla Shores, and it was there that Dan admitted he had the affair. And so he moved back to the Coral Reef house. Some reports say that he moved out and then told her later. Some say that he told her and then moved out. I'm not sure. But they filed for divorce in September of that year. So it was uh, September of 85 or 84. The years got confusing. Betty never moved back to the family home. So from but, that point on, they were apart. Oh, okay. Weren't they apart a while? Yes. And I think there might have been some strategy on Dan's part as well. I'm not sure because he was a lawyer. He was going to be really smart. During this time, and I don't know if maybe you can add to what you know, because I was just a kid during this time, but California passed a new law called no-fault divorce. No, I don't, I don't know. Okay, so it was meant to make divorces easier for everyone. So, in, you know, the couple, the kids, the lawyers. So instead of all this fighting and, you know, he did this, she did that, you could do a no-fault divorce where you can't bring in affairs, you can't bring in all this stuff. It was supposed to be very cut and dry. The wife will get this. The husband will get that. The kids will go here on these weekends, et cetera, et cetera. Alimony. Yeah, but it backfired um, because no-fault divorce laws meant that you could divorce for any reason and no party was at fault. So if a husband had an affair like Dan did, the wife that helped him build his life was out of luck. Doesn't matter. Yeah, it's out of luck. So um, it just, the whole thing backfired. It also, like she might get child support. The judge might order alimony, but not always. It, I know she did. She had alimony. Yes. And it mm-hmm. also tied the hands of the spouse that was done wrong um, because they couldn't bring up the affair. They couldn't lay a foundation for more money and assets due to infidelity, abandonment, things like that. Which I think is a silly law. I do actually. too. I see why they did it. You get a divorce, it's like someone lying or doing something dishonest. You have to determine punishment. Right. You know, when you have a no fault, nobody's to blame. Yeah. So no matter what he did or she did, it doesn't even take into account Yep. any of that. And it backfired. But during this time, there were certain things you had to do to basically be smart and make sure that you got... Uh, through the divorce with as much advantage as possible. It appears that Dan did that and the timing of specific things that he did to his greatest advantage worked. Well, not to mention he was a lawyer. Right. So that's that's a hard battle, right? Now we're going to get into her not being able to have a lawyer and the judges. She always claimed she had the hardest time getting them, but she actually had at least two good ones. Um, but the judges were always, you know, biased in her mind. And I'm not sure I saw that either, but I do know she was initially getting $9,000 a month. Mm -hmm. Then the judge awarded it 
uh, her 16,000. That's not bad. Uh, we'll get into the custody disputes, but yeah, it's not bad, but you know, you'll get into what he did and she did what she did went lower and lower. Yeah. But she that did that. his rule. That was, she could have stopped though. And the judge told her to stop and she went to jail because she wouldn't. Yeah. So true. now we're getting into, she's blaming everybody else, but you're the crazy one breaking into houses and running your car through doors. And I do agree with that. But, um, if she would have, if she'd had it, I mean, I don't feel because she cursed and threatened. You know, you call the police. You don't take away her her money. It was so bad, though. She would call yeah. hundreds of times, Good, and yeah. her mouth was so vulgar. It even caused hardened police officers yeah. to Hello? blush. Right. So no, I think She's bad. She was bad. Yeah, there are some definite things going on. Okay, now, before we get into the divorce, because we're getting close to the crime, I wanted to, again, I couldn't find a lot about Linda Kulkenna. I did find out, and it's not very flattering, actually. Um, First of all, she was born June 26, 1961, Mm -hmm. in Salt Lake City, Utah. She was the youngest, so the baby, of four sisters in a Catholic family as well. Oh. Her parents were Danish, and they had immigrated to the U.S. in the 50s. Her mother died of cancer when she was 11, and then her father remarried shortly after. Kulkenna's older sister, Maggie Seats, remembers praying for uh, before every meal, being raised to be housewives, so there's that culture thing again. They were only to graduate from high school because that was the only education they would need because her dad expected her to be a housewife. Mm-hmm. She became a Delta Airlines stewardess in 1981, but she was fired the following year for, quote, conduct unbecoming a Delta employee. The story is that she and her friends were on an off-duty ski trip when she and a male passenger were seen kissing and sneaking into the bathroom. She then uh, worked briefly for an attorney in Atlanta before Mm -hmm. following a boyfriend over to San Diego, and that's where she met Dan. That's interesting. Yes. But you know what's in those? Unbecoming at the workplace, that that was just typical, though. Right. I used to even hear that. And she was off-duty, but I guess you're not supposed to maybe fool around with the passengers. Yeah, look at, like, officers. Mm -hmm. There's a book they get. You can't do certain things right. off of duty. So, right. yeah. So here she gets fired because of that. Then she, you know, travels a boyfriend all the way to San Diego. So she's definitely, I wouldn't say boy crazy, but she's definitely looking for a relationship, it appears. Um, she was pretty, vivacious. She was an extrovert as well. And then Dan and his uh, colleagues felt that she looked like the younger version of betty so here she is right here okay right now let me get 
a, I had it side by side. Yeah, because right now I don't think she looks like Betty. Oh, just wait. Yeah, she definitely um, looks like her. Oh, that's funny. You can hear my typing. Well, yeah. Okay. Um, right here. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Right there. Mm-hmm. They're younger version of themselves. Hang on a minute. Are you talking about this one here where they're the, not black and white, but yeah. Yeah. Well, he, hang on. That looks like the exact same dress she has on in the same hat. Mm -mm. He's wearing a different hat. This one has a, a black and this one's more like a, um, looks like it has some shiny on it. But they would go to the same events once they started dating. Um, she has a different dress on. Uh, but yeah, they, they say that when you look at when Betty was younger compared to Linda, that they looked very, very similar. Well, if that's her on that picture, they do look similar, mm -hmm. but the other ones, they don't, you know? Well, we're saying similar. I mean, I can yeah. see how, you know, the younger they would have looked. I mean, look at that, the wedding right. with that. Right. I mean, they... To me, they look similar. And yeah, I guess, yeah, in a couple of pictures, yeah, you're right. And a they lot did. of people noticed it and were like, hmm. Okay. This is that typical, I think. Hmm? Usually when someone gets divorced or breaks up with someone, the next person sort of, look, especially women, looks like the last person. I don't know. I've seen some people, I'm you know, they that. get together with some hussy that they went on their wives with, and she's like a dog, you know, compared to that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay now that's a whole nother issue right okay so broderick versus broderick became quote the worst divorce case in san diego history betty don't, was, they, don't they teach what not to do uh-huh yeah that that case is taught okay so betty would leave such foul-mouthed voicemails on dan's answering machine that it would make hardened sailors blush uh, now she did. She was, it was bad. Yeah. And Dan, Dan was not without fault. Um, before Dan and Linda were even married, Linda left the greeting message on the answering machine and that would send Betty over the edge because she would call Dan's house and hear her voice on the phone. That yeah. was either really stupid, really insensitive, or you're trying to push buttons. I think it's push buttons. So the judge ordered <laughs> the judge ordered Dan to take that off the answering machine. Um, now, also in response, cool. very cool. Huh? Oh it's yeah, cool. yeah. So in response um, to Betty's behavior, uh, Dan sent itemized deductions to her allowance, which it wasn't an allowance. He was ordered yes. to pay her every month, right? But he called it an allowance as punishment for the voicemails. Now, one thing I noticed, which is a typical C as well, he would try to punish her like yeah. she was a little kid. And yeah. so that was like, to me, patronizing, belittling, you know, like she ain't a kid. She's a and wife. Infuriated her also. Yeah, that helped you get where you are, bud. You know, like... So it just, it, you can't punish someone like Betty. That's just going to make her even more angry. 
here's the thing to me. Did she get carried away? I have been around someone that's been in a bad relationship like that, and their whole mind's cloudy. I mean, you know what I mean? They do things you would not normally do. So it was a court order, and he should have been made to follow that order. Whether she deserved to be deducted every time she said the curse word, because she was bad. I agree. I probably would have thought the same thing, but it's a court order. It's something you have to do. You can't just make your own laws. Yeah, but the court agreed with him, and that's why she well, ended up owing him so much money later. Well, he was head of the law. But he did eventually, the judge did eventually say, stop that. Stop yeah. this petty crap. You know, so he did um, tell him to quit, cut that out. But, you know, she's not going to set well with being treated the no. way he was treating no. her. Um, so, again, the judge said, hey, take that machine off. Stop the, you know, petty nonsense. And this is where Dan's personality is coming into play because he's trying to get her to stop. But because he doesn't understand how she thinks, obviously, he made things worse. I think he was deliberately cruel. I am keeping an open mind. I don't know if he was deliberately cruel because he's a C. That's how a C thinks. Right. But those are cruel things. Well, her leaving... The person, even his personality... Those are cruel things. Her, cruel. I don't know if the fines are cruel because he was trying to get her to quit being stupid. But the Linda putting her voice on the yeah. voicemail was. But the that that may have been the he's very he's going to be very litigious and very legalistic. And so in Dan's right. world, you find people. Right. You know, so that's how he was going to think. But Betty mm-hmm. wasn't one of his cases. But yeah, because as a lawyer. You know, the judge said you do something whether you like it or not, and you're making your own rules, you know, and that's a mother of your children. So was but she wrong? Totally Yes, she was wrong. wrong. And how case. else was he going to get her to stop? She was not go back, stopping. Go back to court. I don't know. It, that didn't work. I mean, it, to me, it was like pouring gas. Nothing worked. Fire. No, there, there's she had nothing. A mindset. Nothing worked. Yeah, there was nothing he could have done, actually. There was nothing except go back with her. There was nothing he could have done. So, but what he did, like you said, is like pouring fuel. Mm-hmm. She spray painted the interior of their cor- coral reef home. She would repeatedly go into the home against his wishes and um, against restraining orders. She wrote the name God in place of Dan's name on court documents. Uh, at the same time, Dan sold their coral reef house without her knowledge, but the reason. Mm-hmm is he got the price they had agreed to sell it for, and then she changed her mind. She refused. So he got a court order that allowed him to sell the house anyway because she was being a turd, and she wouldn't let him sell the house even though they had an agreement. But in law back then, and I think today, uh, just because you don't think someone's fair, lots of people don't think fair that I know have got divorced or legal things. You know, you don't make your own rules and if you get a restraining order, even now, I don't think it's that easy. To, or a, what did you call it? Uh, to sell the house? I mean, you have to have reason and proof. He and did he, have reason. I, I think a lot of it, too, was, you know, some of the judge judges he played golf with, he was friends with, some but of see, the lawyers. I didn't so find I any. I didn't yeah. find any evidence of that. The well, reason. Of the board. It doesn't, but you have to have evidence of accusations, right? So I can definitely see how he would have the connections. But what I'm saying 
is that there was a court order that he got to sell the house because Betty was not being cooperative and he had proof that they had agreed to sell the house for the price they were getting. The realtor knew that they had agreed what price to sell it. And then when it came time to sell it, she then was like, no, I don't want to sell it. So now she, she must have signed a document of some kind. No, because anybody can change their mind. And does that mean I take them to court? What I'm saying is she was being a jerk. She was. They she needed to let the house sell and she needed to move on. And instead of doing that, she was just being basically a bee and wouldn't let them sell the house. We think that. We know that. But in her mind, I tell you what, if someone came to me and I had said, yeah, I'll sell the house, I'll sell. But then it came down to it. I changed my mind. I, I would be absolutely furious if a, if a, uh, they got an order for make me sell my own home. If well, I and they didn't even, I mean, she didn't even know about it. Just got the paper saying it was sold. Right. And, I, and I couldn't find if she got some of the proceeds either. Um, yeah. Surely she did, maybe. I don't know. I'm thinking with all the fines, it might have eaten up a lot of it. I don't know. Um, now, when uh, Dan and you know Betty separated, uh-huh. Betty had all four children. Mm-hmm. So in an attempt to punish him and make him realize what he lost, this is from a friend that she confided in, She executed a plan and began to drop one child off at a time. So it's not accurate that she dropped all four. She dropped off one at a time. I'd read that she dropped off one at a time, sometimes four. But yeah, yeah, I I believe that 100%. The Netflix showed all four. So again. Oh, okay. You can't always believe the movies. So she literally pushed her son Dan out of the car. It might have been Rhett, and then threw the belongings out of the vehicle on top of her son and drove off at I, night. I think she used those kids as pawns, and I think she was cruel to those kids. Which, you know if you're I mean? a great mom, okay. Why would you be? So now her got, focus wasn't on the kids. Her focus was him. We have red flags, though. We can't dismiss oh, yeah. them because of what she went through right definitely red flags but i think her cruelty of the kids was to get back at him someone like her i don't think that oh i'm being cruel to my kids i think she was just so angry and so bitter Mm -hmm. she used everything in her reach to get back at him i to me even i've been angry before and really angry but just looking at my son there's no way I would push him out of a vehicle and throw his stuff on top of him and drive off. Well, a normal person wouldn't. Right. So I then, think that's the beginning of the end for her. Thank goodness Dan arrived at home. He was actually going to stay out of town on business, but he was arrived. Huh? Was Linda there? No. They didn't this, live together. Oh. So he arrives home, and there is his little boy at night sitting on the porch waiting for him to get home because his mom threw him out of the vehicle. He was pretty young, too. Yep. So this is why she lost custody. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't, Dan didn't take them from her. She coldly and cruelly, literally dumped them off. And, and he took her to court. He didn't really have any kind of, he didn't have an option not to. Right. Well, and he, he even knew she was getting unhinged. And when it came to his kids, you know, 
he just well not only that he didn't ever expect to have the kids like he knew they needed to stay with their mom he didn't have any plans on taking them from her but then when he's just she's just dumping them off in the middle of the night he's like okay you're obviously something's wrong and so he went to court and he got custody of the kids then she was so erratic and hateful in her behavior that the courts were like, uh, uh-uh. uh. I mean, they they just would not let her have them or take them. Uh, well, I wouldn't either. She, now she thought everybody was in cahoots. Like her lawyers, she thought they were working with Dan. She mm-hmm. thought the psychologists were working with Dan. The judges were working with Dan. The lawyers were working with Dan. So for her, she was losing it. No one was on her side, right? No one. But you know, also in divorces like that. You know, the the thought of taking the kids, Dan probably had help from Linda, too, on the decision. Are you, you tooting? Oh, no, it's my chair. Sorry. Can you hear it? Yes. My death. Sorry about that. And if I had been tooting, which I wasn't, I can guarantee you, why would you bring that to an attention? Well, I mean, I don't want people to think I'm sitting here tooting while we're discussing a true crime well, case. Nobody's tooting. It's my leather chair hitting the desk. Okay. But anyway, you know, when there's another man involved or another woman involved, sometimes that just just is again putting gas on a fire. You know, with their opinions and what you should do and what you shouldn't do. You know, with him and Linda. I don't know if it was just his idea to get the kids. He should have got the kids and he did get the kids. I I think something's wrong with this lady and there's been something wrong with her from the start. Um mm-hmm. And all of this brought it out. Now, on top of that, like we discussed, she had several great lawyers. She mm-hmm. ran all of them off with her non-stop assault against everyone. The judge, the lawyers, Dan, Linda, the kids, the answer machine. Didn't she fire one because she thought her and Dan were friends mm-hmm. and she didn't have a chance? She yeah. was paranoid, yeah. I think. And then, I mean, the the saddest part of watching it was little Danny and how, and it was in all the movies where she called and she was leaving one of those vulgar messages and he answered and he was begging her to stop so that they could live with him, with her. Yeah. Yeah. Danny and Rhett wanted to live with their mom, but she wouldn't stop being crazy. So, you know, he was just, you could hear the hopelessness and he's like, oh, just please sad. stop. If your child is begging you like that and you have a heart, you're going to stop. Well, you're thinking that she's not irrational, that she's normal. She isn't. I mean, we might think that. That's what I've been saying the whole time. uh, Or just whatever she's going through. She didn't see anything except revenge on him and get back at him. It didn't matter about the kids at all. Well, he told her that if he if she would quit saying bad words, mm-hmm. they could go live with her. She was vicious. Uh, she told Kim that she wished she was never born. Yeah, hated her horrible. guts. Horrible. Um, and I don't know if this. She felt Kim was a traitor because she testified for the prosecution. Mm-hmm. Um, when she found out that eventually Linda and Dan moved in together in their new home, uh, his new home, she smeared cake. Uh, all over the bed, his clothes and everything else that she could find. That's not a ra- that's not a rational person. Nope. At but all. she's not insane. 
And then well, it's she- harder to find in, insane these days. I'm not disagreeing, but these days you can do almost anything and they can say you're not insane. She also repeatedly threatened to kill Dan to her kids. Yep. Uh, she ran off all That's help. A big red flag right there. Right. I mean, she, there was plenty, but the threat of death, the threat of death, that's that's a big one. She also ran off the kids. She hurt herself. She let mm-hmm. rage and hatred get the best of her. She mm-hmm. tried to represent herself during part of the divorce and custody yep. case. She was put in jail for three days after violating a restraining order. She was in a mental facility or a mental part of the jail after driving her vehicle through Dan's new house. Um, that was when she Did found you out. Did evaluate her? Uh-huh. Did you find anything? Okay. Um, so she ran her vehicle through Dan's new house once she found out the other home had sold. She said that she just bumped it. Uh, and yeah, even, okay. And even later she would say that, well, Dan pulled her out of the vehicle, and as they were struggling, she reached for a large butcher knife under the seat. Okay, yeah. so let me show you. So I, excuse me, like all of a sudden I just keep burping. It's probably because I was wondering if you were having gas. Oh, my Lord. No, I was not having gas. Okay, so here's the house. Now, let me see if I can pull up. Let's see. Um, Because I had this, too. I don't know where all my pictures went. Um, Yeah, where did they go? I don't know. I get everything prepared, and then it's, like, gone. Uh, Let's see. So, it was definitely the new house, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to find the pictures, because it it has, like, the crime scene photos, but they should... should With her car still in front. Right. I don't see it. So they definitely, um, you know, she she ruined the door, like smashed it. Mm-hmm. It also ruined the alarm system. So after she smashed the door, their alarm alarm, alarm system was never fixed for three wow. years. Did you say, was someone in the house when she did that? Yeah, Dan with the kids. He, he was, or he didn't just drive up. He was in the house with the kids. Mm-hmm. So... Okay. Three years, you don't get the alarm system fixed. I mean, that's sort of weird, isn't it? Especially he, after someone does that. No, because she's a C, and he or he's a C, so he felt that she would want the money, and eventually she'd leave them alone because she wouldn't kill the golden goose. Well, that makes sense. So he underestimated her, mm-hmm. and uh, so the divorce was finalized in 1989. By that time, Betty shares, Betty's share in the property was greatly reduced. She owed Dan $750,000 due to the Epstein credit laws, and then Dan only had to pay Betty 30000 Now, how long were they divorced or married when she got divorced? They married in what? 69, so it's 20 years. 20 years. Okay, so the Epstein laws, I was trying to figure out what the heck these were, and this is where some of Dan's craftiness came in, too. So after you separate from your spouse in California, determining how to pay your bills can be confusing because you've not yet divided the property. There's not yet an approved agreement for like your mortgage and your car payment and your credit card bills and all of those other things. And so California is a community property state. So you own half the income property acquired during your marriage. And so does the spouse, but you also have community debt. So that means any debt on property will be split between both spouses. So 
if one of the spouses is paying all of the bills during the the settlement and the divorce proceedings and all of that, then with the Epstein uh, marriage laws or divorce laws, uh, Epstein credits, then the other spouse has to be paid back. Oh. So that's what that is. Oh. And I didn't if, know that. In fact, he bought some property in different states when they weren't yet divorced that she didn't know about. And I'm kind of wondering if he did that on purpose. She also mm. stole their um, wedding guest list. She called all of the guests, especially their friends, shaming them for going to Dan and Linda's. Uh, he, well, actually, she would say Dan and the whore's wedding. So unhinged. The court ordered her to return the list and she, uh, or she wouldn't get support that month. Betty's uh, housekeeper testified that Linda broke into Betty's home to find the wedding list but couldn't find it, but she found her journal and she took it and Dan made her take it back. Yeah, I remember. You know, I wasn't sure about that fact because I saw it in one of the shows. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, that's sort of odd. I wonder if that's true. Brazen. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. Brazen. Okay, so I I don't want... And if you have someone, a cuckoo bird, are you going to go and risk the chance to break in their house and search it? She obviously did. I know. I, w- I know. That's even crazy, too. See, that? I think they, I don't know why they didn't believe her. Cause, I mean, we'll get into more of that, but this one's already, I was wondering if we're going to have to do a part three. So we're already what? at about 50 minutes. So let's, let's end this episode. And then uh, part three may not be as long, but I've got some videos I want you to see. We'll, we'll get into the murders, which won't take a lot of time. And then I want you to see a couple things and then the diagnoses that she had. Does that sound now, like a plan? Yeah. Uh, question. Mm-hmm. Can the viewers see the pictures? Are they on your site? I'll put them on, on the web. Site? I'll put them on the website. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay right. So we'll we'll end this one and then we'll uh, start part three. All right. Recording stopped. Okay. Good. It stopped. I'm on we. This is Sherry. So my mother-in-law, or mother-in-law, good grief, my mother said that she had to go we. I got that recorded, and there is no way in hell I'm going to get rid of that. Just saying. Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? (laughs) Joseph.